Ha! Huh. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 Vogel fam! I'll, I'll edit all that garbage out. <laughs> uh, Vogel fam, we have a lovely <laughs> day planned for you. We promise we do. We have a wonderful <laughs> guest. Dana Zenobi is with us, and we are looking forward to a great conversation. Uh, but let me roll the theme song, and then we'll go. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Vormir, may Black Widow rest in peace. I figure this episode will go out about a week before Quantum Mania. Oh. And so I went with Avengers. I think that's a good that's a good call. Uh just just cuz you know. No, no. Anyway, it's been a second. Dana, welcome to Vocal Fry. Hey. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. It's great to have you. Um uh I'm going to let Dana introduce herself in a second, but Sarah had seen Dana's poster last summer at Nats National. True. I thought it was that cool. That seems like so long ago. It really <laughs> doesn't does. it? Fairly certain that was 27 and a half years I ago. I know. Yeah. I've lost all sense. I have truly lost all sense of time. Yes. Period. Yes. Yeah. It's it's gone. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all it's yeah. all gone. Uh, Liz is still here with us. Hello. Hi Liz. Hello. Um sitting in for the semester, um, trying to graduate. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming. <laughs> All the stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff. Uh, so Dana, tell us a little bit about your journey through the world of voice and 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 you know you know where you are now, what you've been doing, just you know just the the you know kind of the 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 vocal fry version of uh, your story. The vocal fry version of my story. Well, okay. So I teach at Butler University now in Indianapolis. Um, but we actually met because I went to the acoustic voice pedagogy workshop when it was at NEC the summer before Soundjack and the great fast music box <laughs> meltdown. Oh, that's <laughs> a nice way to refer to that. Honestly, right? that's how I'm going to start referring to that year. Hey, listen, Alex yes. sent us a shout out for the 200th that is really touching. So, oh. uh, anyway. Amazing. Oh. So, yeah, so that's how I kind of got connected to uh, to Nick and to learning about this podcast and and all of that and got that was me trying to get myself back into the world of acoustics after having taught all kinds of other things like theory and various other things that were challenging to understand. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know, acoustics, music theory, like they're up there for me in terms of having to keep rehashing it. Um, so yeah, I'm grateful to Nats for winning the Voice Pedagogy Award, which sent me to the NEC uh, Acoustic Voice Pedagogy and sent me down that rabbit hole. But that's all fairly recent. Um, I started, I'm, I'm from New York, I'm from Long Island, shout out to the North Shore. And uh, so I grew up there and I was lucky to be in a really uh, well-funded public uh, school that had a great music program with incredible musicians at the helm. So I got really great exposure to um, all kinds of music, but high, high quality classical music as a young person. So I kind of had that like classical singing bug in my ear. Plus I was, you know, 30 miles from New York City. So I was around a lot of that kind of um, those kind of sounds as a young person, which was really exciting. 
Um, and also, like, just to be honest to your listeners, it was a little intimidating, right? Because, like, Ruth Ann Swenson went to the high school where my father taught, and Patti Lapone went to my high school, and numerous oh. people from my school went on to have careers you out know. and yeah, just a few like, small, people. small name, small name. You know those people, like, barely uh, recognizable. You know, like, that's Ruth Ann where Swenson I was. May have, may have sung at the Met a few times. And, right, uh, you know what I'm saying. So, Patty Lapone, whoever she is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I she know. might know like a little something about belting. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah. So, so there was that kind of programming, and I decided like, well, okay. I feel at the age of 16 that it is maybe already too late for me, which is oh, hilarious. Geez. You know, looking back at 45, <laughs> being oh, like, wow, at 16, I feel like, well, it's not evident at this point that I have a world-class talent, so I probably shouldn't <laughs> try. Um, and I had a, my first voice teacher was a woman named Olga. She said Tufel, but it was Teufel. And she used to chain smoke while she taught voice lessons. Fantastic. <laughs> How is this even a thing? She would sit there with a cigarette and there was like a filter between her and me. And she'd be like, honey, you need to practice that more. And I'd be like, okay, okay, Olga. Can I start doing that in lessons? No. Or would I, no. Would I I'm get, gonna, no. Oh, it's immediate. <laughs> yes. Two people in a room who study voice with me, they're like, no. no. No, you may not. You may not chain smoke. So that was like no. my intro to singing. Um, Such character, though. Totally. Right? But she was amazing. She gave me a vocalese notebook, and she told me about Cecilia Bartoli. And, you know, I mean, amazing. she was amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. Um, and then, but I decided, all right, I don't, I probably don't have what it takes because we can decide that before we even are done with high school. So I'm going to go to college for biology because I love whales and I love snails and like everything in between. So and I want to live in a different part of the country. Right. So I I went to Duke in North Carolina because I visited the campus and it's so beautiful. Right. Um, And plus, Duke does this thing like it was a kind of a reach for me because I thought, oh, it's really expensive. But um, they meet your need. If you get in, they meet 100% yeah, of, you know, what yeah. the FAFSA says oh. you need to go. So actually, um, like, they, it, they made it possible for, for me to go in a way that I maybe didn't think was going to be possible. That's right. That's fantastic. Yeah, right? So I walk into Duke and I'm like, all right, well, I'm still going to study music. I'm still going to take voice lessons because I'm really into it. And, like, who's there but Susan Dunn? has just recently joined the faculty yeah. right at that moment. What? I mean, she, so she was my teacher there for most of my time. And I mean, it was just such an inspiring thing to be in the studio with her and David Hyde, who is the piano faculty, who also coached the singers. Um, and it was the thing where you're having a voice lesson and your teacher demonstrates and you cry because it's so beautiful like, <laughs> on the regular. Um, that, that, that surprisingly never happens in my studio. No. <laughs> it never happens in mine. That's funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 Um, so yeah, so I ended up just by this weird twist of fate in Susan's studio. And I mean, I think she could tell that I was one of her more serious students. And 
And eventually I was like, well, how am I going to practice my singing while I'm at the marine biology lab? And also it turns out I'm not great at organic chemistry. Oh, I have heard that that is the worst. My my husband was a chemical engineering major in his undergrad, and he still talks about organic chemistry. I mean, it was intense. And yeah. It was intense at Duke because... Duke has that like work hard, play hard culture. And there were people who would take the classes before, like over the summer, and then they'd be repeating them at Duke for their actual GPA. People, I was not doing that. that. I, I actually heard our students who are going to pre, are pre-med who do that with gross. Yeah. Well, who, that, who take, that seems right. Who take gross over the summer just to repeat it. Yeah. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. So there was that kind of, and that was just like, whoop, over my head. I mean, I was just showing up and trying to do my homework. Yeah, um, yeah. So at some point I realized like, oh, I just, I sort of, I can't kill this music thing. I keep sort of trying to be a practical person, but mm. it's really, it's the core of who I am. Yeah. So, um, so I decided kind of eyes open because Susan was pretty clear about, you know, what the career would look like. Um, and the chances of actually having one. So I went in pretty, pretty good eyes open to grad school. Um, I wanted to live in a different part of the country again because it's, travel is interesting to me. So I went to Austin, Texas, very cool music city to do my grad work. There was a great teacher there um, that I wanted to work with, Martha Detheridge. And um, so I did my grad work at UT Austin in opera. And then because I was from New York, I could kind of do the young artist career launching stuff and still live in Austin where it's warm sure. um, you can, and sunny most of the year. And then I could go hang out with my parents and just take the train into New York City yeah. to do the audition season. Oh, like nice. I could stay for two months, you know. Uh, that's, a, that's a good um, deal. Yeah. And my Italian mother would be thrilled and, and also my father, you know. Um, so that was a good deal for me. Um, so I stayed based in Austin while I was like doing the young artist thing and like getting my career going. And I was, you know, for a lyric, light lyric coloratura soprano, I was like doing pretty well, you know, for those first years. And I sang for the better part of a decade. Um, and then during during that time, I also had to like work a billion side jobs to make money. Like I sold, sure. you know, the Cutco knives and cut all my fingers. And then like, my <laughs> yeah. customer, I had to show up with like six Band-Aids on. Like they're really good you're knives. like, look how sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be careful. And then the, the customers would cut themselves. And I'd be like, oh, oh um, well, yeah, that's I'm just sorry. because. I, I have totally had students living at grad school selling Cutco knives. Yeah. That's why this is funny to me. I've I, like, this is a lived experience. Of yes. Have you had? the presentation where you have no, to like, no no they, they never didn't try they, to pitch they to never you tried to upsell me some knives yeah. but okay. uh they're good knives i might i might i might could have bought some um, i have that's i have a if set. cutco would like to sponsor the <laughs> i mean i we tell you let them i i am a fan of the product they are um, good like they are good yes I have a weirdly i have a weird amount of cutco products to not actually <laughs> ever had anyone try to sell me cutco Fantastic. really like, yeah they've just been given to me as like yeah and i'm just like okay sure they're great oh my gosh fantastic all right so anyway okay so you're doing the career thing you know i'm doing the career thing fantastic i'm like tunnel focus on the singing and never thought that i would want to teach so i never had a ped class well let's also admit that our generation you know we were very much of the generation dana that when we were in school we were told 
that it, to never tell anyone that we did teach. Amen. Yes. You know, I mean, that oh, was, yes. I mean, for sure. I mean, they looked at us and said, never tell anyone you're a voice teacher. Correct. Correct. Right. Never mention that. His back in his head. Yeah, and never. If you ever got an advanced degree, you know, anything oh, beyond yes. never anything that was not a performance degree. Oh. That's why You leave it off your resume. For real? I mean, oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was oh, yeah. you what immediately... our generation was told, for sure. Yes. That's, that's there crazy. were so we many were told, things. We were told, like, that you didn't even tell anyone that you had side hustles. Correct. What? what? You're just supposed to walk around pretending like, oh, no. Yes. I am so... Yes. I make, I make $150,000 a year as a, as a solo artist flying around the world where I am a failure, and I never mention mm -hmm. it to anyone. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. This you is the not, culture we were raised in. You know, Terrible. you could not mention anything else. And I, like, you know, I was making, like, $11,000 a year. This but on the years when my I'm resume saying. was the best, you know? Yeah. And then, like, eight of that was going to coaching. Um, of course. <laughs> going Hello. back out to, to training, right? Hello. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, all the other things that you need, headshots and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. But not at this point, taxes. I... Yeah, not to mention taxes, which I still don't understand. Um, so at this point, I met, um, I had the really good luck with getting into the financial weeds of things, right? I had the really good luck to have a, a benefactor, to stumble across a woman who was interested in um, supporting me and supporting other singers. And she would do things like be like, Dana, I'm so tired of seeing your car with the one window that doesn't roll up and the other that doesn't roll <laughs> down and the muffler that's tied up with like the twist tie from the trash like can you just get a used car and i'll just pay for it you know i mean things like that, that I, were... need, I need a benefactor <laughs> right that's what i just learned yeah, me too yeah yeah if I someone mean, she... wants to patronize me <laughs> she she was <laughs> amazing yeah i'm here for it and when i was singing i lived in her basement apartment Fantastic. Of, her, oh. of her house and there were several singers actually because once she got the idea that she, at some point she got to know us really well and she said you know i have a tenant but I don't need a tenant and you all are like paying for these apartments that you're in for three weeks at a time yeah. and you're gone for six weeks so there were several of us who just lived in her basement apartment um, while we were out singing which See, was this is the perfect example of just like every single person we've ever had come on and tell their story this is the perfect example of none of these have ever been the same Oh, no, absolutely mm. never. You know, it's like nobody in our field actually has the exact same lived experience. There is no there is set not, path. There is no set path. Right, right. No. It's anyway. Really, it's really different. For so anyone. what led you to teaching then? At some okay, point? Yeah. yes. So at this point, I needed another job. Like, I had so many jobs, you know. I was at waiting tables in a steakhouse, but I was a vegetarian, so I was like, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're all good. I think that one's gooder than this one. And so that wasn't going well. Um, so I got a gig, and this was in Texas. And, you know, Texas does the thing where they host teachers in the schools oh, yes. which, yes. which is listen, amazing I, I right did grad school, i did grad school in houston listen i mean yeah I, I know so so they would you know like i had a little practice room next to the choir room yep. at mm -hmm. a middle school and a high school that were part of the same program and i was in different ones on different days and i would teach 60 something students a week every week every week from so before many. school at 7 a.m. we would start and then we would have them during the choir periods and then I would stay until 6.30 because I'd have after school lessons. I truly, I, 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 can, I truly <laughs> cannot fathom the stamina that would take. Well, I'll be, I'll be honest and I'm sure Dana, this is, this, is, this is my experience as well is, you know, 
you do uh, we talk about this all the time on the podcast doing grad school in texas you do get your sea legs as a voice teacher absolutely because there are so many students trying to do all state and yes. all their choir directors push it yes and so like look vocal fam if you want to do a degree in voice pedagogy i mean the state of texas is not a terrible idea because right. they're in, in one of the big cities because you get you get so much experience mm-hmm. teaching these 30 minute lessons and yes, yes it's got a focus of getting them ready for all state or solo and ensemble right but like but yeah. you're still teaching voice but you're still teaching voice to such an age variety and such a variety of interests and yeah. styles and you just figure it out. I mean, being from our generation, I had no training in teaching CCM or teaching musical theater, yeah. which is mostly what those students wanted to sing. Course, so like there was a lot of crying in the parking lot at seven in the morning because <laughs> I was like, only one of my 53 students oh. wants to sing an Italian art song. Like that's the only thing I know how to teach. Yep. Um, so that was a trial by fire. And then at some point, a friend of mine from my church job said, hey, there's an adjunct teaching job opening up at Southwestern University, which is this gem of a liberal arts yeah. uh, university, but with a fine arts school that offers like Bachelor of Music and performance um, just north of Austin, so near where I was based. And I applied for that and I got it. And suddenly I had college age students who did want to sing art song and yeah. who were interested in diction and, you know, like all the nerdy stuff, song lit and all the stuff that I'm yeah. into. And I was much, much happier there than I was teaching um, the crossover styles, just because also it wasn't my my interest. Like it's not where sure. I nerd out. Um, but I also had because I was an adjunct, I had like twenty five to thirty students per week of yep. majors, non majors. We had a BFA, so I had musical theater students, yep. um, and I just did a ton of teaching for them. I was there for a decade. Um, and during that decade, I had a really weird talk about sea legs. Like I have them as a teacher definitely after that, but I can't, I don't have them literally. I won tickets to a cruise. Oh. I went on the cruise <laughs> and it turns out I can't handle being on a cruise. Oh, I'm no. like neurologically, oh, no. I literally am incapable of getting my sea legs. Oh. Um, so I was seasick for two years. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Uh, no. I mean, because I get seasick very easily. I get car sick very easily. But yeah. when I have gone on cruises, I've had no problem. Like, the ship is big enough that I don't. Right? And I, like, grew up on Long Island. I had been on lots of boats, remember? Sure. Wanted to study whales. Thought that would be fine. Man. Um, but the lucky big ship. That. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It turns out it was fortuitous to choose music. But yeah. Because <laughs> there could have been some other obstacles. But the big ship, the sensory input of not seeing the movement, but feeling the movement uh-huh. over a sustained period of time messed huh. up my vestibular system. And so when I got off the ship, I got this rare vestibular disorder where I felt like no. the world was still rocking for two years. And that was right at like the critical young artist to artist, sure. you know, where I'm getting like main stage auditions for big, big houses and I'm singing roles in smaller houses and I'm like, you yeah. know, moving my way. Right then I got knocked over hardcore, had nothing to do with singing, but just like. But, yeah, no, well, I Well, that it. would just be hard to function, period. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's a rare disease and it's ind- invisible, right? So people would yeah. look at me and not realize that like the world was Is going back and sudden? forth. Um, so at that point I thought, all right, I think this is 
like the tunnel vision on the performing only, it's not going to work. Um, so I decided to go back and get my doctorate at UT, okay. but I was still teaching at Southwestern. And that was like the first time that many things happened. One, the first time that like I sang any music by women, which... Um, why did that take so long? And I, I double majored in music and gender studies. I forgot to say that oh. at Duke. So I had an interest in gender studies already. Then yes, um, why yeah. did it take that long? Then why, but like I never connected it to my well, career because, because of the programming. Also, also, when we were taking Song Lit, we talked about a whole two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me it was zero. Maybe Amy Beach. Amy Beach. I mean, yeah. well, and uh, Fanny. I mean, Amy mm-hmm. Beach and Fanny, and that was it. I mean, I don't uh, even think I got any info about Fanny. Wow. Um, so I mean, you know, but that was it. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even in like my 20th century classes, which I had a lot of nothing, right? No so, way. No way. We talked about Florence Price. No way. No. 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 Not, no. No. Not, no. Not. Not. I mean, zero no music by black composers. Zero. I mean, maybe. Um. Well, actually, when I was a singer, I got to work with. Um, uh, Leslie Adams when Lush. I was at Lyric Opera Cleveland okay. and so that was actually a really amazing experience and I had yeah. sung some William Grant still um, with Susan back at Duke so I mean but that was again that's like two people right exactly. out of a whole exactly. a whole enormous body of work and those Leslie Adams songs oh man, oh my fantastic. god oh my god Gosh. are they beautiful so I mean they gorgeous lyric writing gorgeous Gosh. and he is such a nice person. Well, that's great. To hear. Um, okay, that's a total tangent. So <laughs> anyway, I was teaching at Southwestern. I went back to get my doctorate while I was still dizzy. Um, and, and that was like the first time I really, really had like a vocal ped sequence. Yeah. And I had Darlene Wiley was teaching. Uh, she was using Don Miller's book. And it was the first time I really saw a spectrum. And I was like, how did I get this far along the line before someone explained to me how vocal anatomy and physiology works, how acoustics works? I mean, zero of that until my doctoral studies was even in the in the ethers. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge revelation for me. So I I got interested that way. And then I started applying for academic jobs and it took me six years to find a good fit. So for those of you who are out there, like I'm still the same person, you know, <laughs> it's just the market is, is tough. Or maybe having a weird resume that looked like performer, random period where nothing's happening, teacher was like confusing to search committees no, or something. but I mean, like, look, I mean, it's the academic job market is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a, treacherous at best yes and treacherous probably, at best probably, way to put it that's a that's a probably a too too tame a qualifier yeah yeah um, yeah uh, certainly that. not for the faint of heart i'll tell you that no i mean it's it's easier than singing though but <laughs> also not for the faint of heart yeah i mean uh, yeah there's a certain um, level of psychopathy that goes into both. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, okay. All right. So, so and yeah. now you're and now you're at Butler. So now I'm at Butler. I found I found a full time position. It was hard to leave Austin. It was hard to leave my wonderful people at Southwestern and to leave South Texas Nats with Melinda Brew and Dan Hunter Holly and John Nixon. All oh, like that all, Nats all chapter. Fan, all my fantastic Nats people. Yeah. They're they're such good people. Dan and John and Melinda. Yes. All three of them. Oh come on. And they're the best. Um, so that was hard, but I ended up taking a job at Butler. Um, well, and that and was I when Randy it. and Bronwyn were still in Texas. Yes, when, yeah. yes, absolutely. Oh, and Bronwyn was yes. I we did some exchange concerts because she was her where she was teaching was not too far from Southwestern. Um, yeah, so I moved to Indy four and a half years ago and 
like I love I feel like I hit the jackpot That's of teaching great. jobs. I mean the people here are amazing to a person, great musicians, genuine colleagues, no ego. Wonderful. The voice area gets along. Um, we have nice. a dream dean, I feel like, and, and director of the school music. Like, anytime I want to do something innovative or we want to change the curriculum or whatever, I feel like the orientation is towards yes. Oh, you know? right. Not great. that the that's answer great. is always yes, but like they want. Sure. They're open to it. They're yes. willing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, um, yeah. So now I teach, um, you know, applied studio and um, vocal ped and um, song lit and some diction classes that I share with another one of my colleagues and... All right, so so tell us about this poster you did last summer that Sarah loved so much, and and, and, what, and and what in the world brought that to your mind? I think I had had several conversations with colleagues about wishing that there were um, more information sharing about how practically in the classroom people are using. Voce Vista and other spectral, you know, analysis programs. Because I felt like I had read all the books. I had done a day of studying with Don Miller. I'd taken the acoustic voice ped. I'd taken singing voice science workshops. So I knew I was good conceptually, but I wasn't quite sure what exactly to do with it in the classroom setting. And I felt like, I mean, Ken Bozeman's books really helped because he has some of that modest stuff in the back. And Ken Ken, Ken, Ken also writes the clearest sentences it, of any human ever. It's amazing. Um, but you got so to meet, it, you did get to meet Don? Yes, I did. That's I did a great. whole, a full day workshop with him because he was down visiting Darlene Wiley, who was my grad school teacher. Um, yeah, and I spent a whole day with him and he was, you know, getting us through all all that we could in a single day. That's yeah. phenomenal. That's yeah. phenomenal. Great. So that was amazing. Um, yeah, so it, it came out of that desire to start sharing more information about practical application. And anything that I had read or attended had talked about how do you use it for pedagogy concepts, right? Sure, I mean, how do we talk about registration and p- passage negotiation and and even like vowel, you know, uh, the acoustics of vowel perception and that kind of stuff. So I'd been using it in PED for a while, you know, more than a decade. But I don't know why it took me until last year to think about, oh, I should integrate this into my diction class also and I tried it and it was really successful and so I thought well let me make a poster and just kind of share the way I scaffolded it and the kind of assignments that I used with the field um, if that makes sense yeah so yeah. so so tell us a little bit about that in in, in in some detail like did you use it to kind of help clarify some some um, like vowel shapes for students or, 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 or like, you know, what, 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 what way were you using it? Yes, all kinds of things. So now I've done it with two classes. I started with uh, like juniors and seniors taking German diction. And then this semester I used it for first years taking English and Italian. So different okay. levels, my, my upper level students had taken PED. So they kind uh, of had talked about vocal track resonances, formant interactions. So with the upper level students, I could have them do things like explore like forward versus back, you know, open versus close versions of O and E and oh, watch sure. where the formants are using like uh, Ken's chiaroscuro whisper or using a vocal fry to kind of refine their tuning of those vowels. Yeah. Um, but that's more advanced. I started with, with my first years and actually I got this idea from Kelly Hidgley, so thank you to her, um, by just 
trying not to overwhelm them with how much is on the screen and just putting on the pitch display and having them do single note exercises and watch the vibrancy, um, both as they change pitch, like just watching their vibrato again, especially with the first years, because they're still working on like their fundamental coordination yeah. and do things like like an like an ah vowel to a nasal, like an M or an N or even an L, right? Where you still want the vibrato to be consistent. Um, um, and just watch only the pitch line and observe and then and then observe in your physicality Ooh, the vibrato kind of got narrower or it stopped altogether when i closed to the consonant and i felt some tightening well let me try it again and see if i can so i started with simple things like that just watching vibrato um i during the pandemic i got connected with um rochelle yonk and derek goff and belcanto boot camp um and they're amazing and um I'm using their newly published book. And one thing that I think is amazing that they put into words so well is with legato, if you're traveling from note to note and you don't have a double consonant, like you, and especially if you have like a lengthened vowel in Italian, you want to travel on the vowel. The default is to travel on the vowel, right? If you're singing a double consonant, you change pitch on the consonant sound. Okay. Does that make sense? Just a different way of like explaining Double yes. consonants versus yes. yeah. So yes. with voce vista, Sorry, you can. I had to imagine that in my mind on a phrase. <laughs> right. So like, manca uh, sole, you change on the L, right? Manca sole cita. There you change on the vowel, right? Yep. Um, in voce vista, you can watch that. Yeah. Of course. And just with our first year students, you know, intro to Italian diction. I'm sure that's so helpful when having that tool yeah yeah to be able to yeah go ahead oh just i was gonna say like depending on their background because i know i mean i came into undergrad really not having any experience with foreign languages other than yeah. like my high school spanish class which is you're not so much focusing on your diction in that as learning right. words right and so all of these new like the idea of a pure vowel was a very new concept and kind of overwhelming and if you're not like and your ear isn't super attuned yet either and so you sit there going well am i doing this mm -hmm. uh, is this right like you have no frame to know if you're actually like hitting the mark and i would think having a visual to look at would very much help a, a younger student go oh okay now i'm doing it and well, i know that was right and mm -hmm. not only that but i mean for what you just said sarah it's also a perfect way of with someone like that who you could visually orient to the fundamental fairly quickly it's a way of realizing that there is no such thing as a pure vowel for a particularly for a true voice yep. True. because as soon as you change the fundamental you've shifted everything no that that honestly yep. yeah and, and, and and so like the 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 idea in it from a diction standpoint even mm -hmm. of a of a you know a concept like a pure sh vowel shape it's yep. going to be driven by the fundamental. Yep. True. Particularly in a treble voice. And admittedly, but, I was thinking at this from the perspective of somebody coming in with a very strong southern accent who had diphthongs and triphthongs well, no, all sure. over the place. Well, that's another thing. I, I, I got like, you. I so got sort you. of a journey towards, hey, we don't need all those vowels. To right. then, yes, eventually getting the idea of like, oh, but even this isn't necessarily. Right. Like, right. Anyway, I mean, and that's where, like, that's where you'd go next. Then you can turn on... You know, so we did vibrancy and just 
you know, traveling maybe with the full spectrogram mm-hmm. window on. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about things like diphthongs, right? Yeah. Which How are long are you visible on the spectrum? It's so easy to see. Yes. And so if you get any of that chewing or you can look at how long you're on the first vowel versus the second vowel. And I think it clicks for them to have some sort of way to visualize what their mm-hmm. teachers are hearing, but maybe they're not hearing yet. Yeah. Yeah, particularly for someone who is maybe, you know, just has a more visual orientation to mm-hmm. their to their, you know, awareness. Yep. I mean, that could be very helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I'm even thinking of like I'm even thinking of this from the perspective of one of the things that you encounter and you, you know, grew up in Long Island, yep. been, been to Texas, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, grew up in rural Pennsylvania, my, then worked and studied in Miami, Houston, you know, different places, whatever, West Virginia, here. You end up realizing how our different dialects in this country really impact yes. di- diction. Yep. And, and and impact how we their how our brains interpret vowel understanding in general as a singer. Yes. And you as a diction teacher, it, particularly if you're teaching at a school that gets a diverse population, mm-hmm. this could really be a way to overcome kind of even like I'm even thinking like cultural and socioeconomic barriers. Yep. That because the 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 in the end we're all kind of shooting for the target but if we mm-hmm. can visualize how our different speech patterns like i remember my diction teacher my freshman year of college because we did english italian but then we mm-hmm. did french german like the second semester like it was all freshman yep. year that mm-hmm. our curriculum is going that way but it's right now it's separated out for performance and, and majors I, I remember okay. my yeah that was i was you know as a performance mm-hmm. major it was just mm-hmm. it was it was we were the only ones required to do it but I remember my second semester coming back for the second course and, and my teacher going, oh, you went home for the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that's um, funny. That's the thing. You're right. They notice things about their own speech pattern that using Voce Vista that they might not have caught ex- without ex- it. Exactly. Like with the ah vowel, we did like a, we used the vowel chart to do target practice for the English ah, like father versus the brighter Italian ah. Yes. And kind of putting the international chart on and targeting those and just sort of fry your typical ah or whisper your typical ah and then look at it on the chart and see like where is it in terms of brightness and darkness and how close is it to the English one and people were like, oh, I realized this about my speech habit, or it was really interesting. And what Mm -hmm. a great way, if you are introducing that kind of early in the curriculum to them Mm -hmm. in like a diction class, how incredibly valuable, particularly Particularly if, like you said, you like would you talk about it like looking open, closed vowel, just the same yeah. vowel, open and closed. Yes. Or brighter mm-hmm. and further, you know, darker, yep. or whatever. Yep. How great a tool then, like when they are in ped, mm-hmm. to be able to then consider like physiolo- physiologic changes if we already have that kind of base awareness. Yep. Sure. It's really a way to help, you know, someone then maybe trying to learn more about about what they're seeing in a spectrogram mm-hmm. and just learning more about like how the the you know vocal tract changes will affect the overall shape of the spectrum 
Right. I mean, that could that could really you know help overcome part of the learning curve of the spectrogram. Mm-hmm. It would make it less intimidating for sure. Yes, absolutely. Especially if you started with just one little wiggly line, you know. And yeah, then, exactly. Then a yeah, few you... weeks in, we added the whole spectrogram, but not the power spectrum yet. And yes. then later, we put in the vowel chart, but we didn't really talk about resonances. We just kind of talked about targeting the yeah the general shape of the of the spectrogram. Then added the power spectrum. And, oh, if you want to check one little moment, you can click here and look over there. And yeah. You know, just scaffolding it that way without yet a lot of the theoretical framework. Sure, of course, of sure. Course, of course. And then you're not because you there know. isn't time. I mean, you got to cover two languages yeah. right? okay. yes. <laughs> in one semester. Um, and I'm even thinking, you know, for one thing, I'm thinking that this might turn into a lovely journal article. I mean, you could write this up pretty easily. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, lovely. that's my plan for after the semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my plan yeah, for May. Like, oh. no, 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 summers are for writing. Writing. Yes, exactly. Only, writing only happens in the summer. It only I, happens it, after classes. These are done. people yeah. who write during the academic year, I don't understand. I do not understand I it. it. I mean, maybe they don't sing as much. You know, I mean, I still have like a balance going between. Like me sure. too. And yeah. I mean, I've published six articles in my career. I don't. I think. I think I wrote one of them during the academic year. Yeah. Like See? I don't. I don't understand. I have yet to write one. That's my goal for like growing up. Like, <laughs> right? I've been on vocal fry. I feel like I've arrived. <laughs> I'm icing on the cake. <laughs> like, maybe Sarah, write an article for Journal of, of People singing. arriving. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> um, wow. Ooh. No um, But no, I, what was the other thing I was thinking about with that, too? Oh, I know what it was. You know, I, I one of the things that has been in the back of my mind about voice curriculum in general like undergraduate voice study yeah i think we as universities need some kind of like intro to voice course Hmm. that like all anyone who is studying voice at the university takes and is almost like the lecture course of their first semester of lab voice lessons. Hmm. That that like that we go over at the front end basic voice health concepts. Hmm. Basics of basics of anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. Basics of diction. Mm-hmm. Basics of how to find a song in the library. Right. basics or on IMSLP yeah yeah or yeah. or you know but like the stuff that all of us as studio teachers have to do in the first semester of voice lessons anyway yeah sure that I feel like we could save everybody in the department so much time hmm. that if we all Rather than in the first semester just throwing them into diction, throwing them into lessons, throwing them into this, throwing them into that, not giving them any pedagogy until they're a senior... Right, but that's changing. We're 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 gonna go with the Matt's two semester thing. Hopefully, we're. No, I hope no one from curriculum committee is listening. listening. They're, they're, they're. <laughs> but we're hoping and to get that in first semester sophomore year. So wow. diction for diction first year, but diction with you know with acoustics with layered the, in. Wow. And then ped one, beginning of sophomore year, wow. and then ped two junior year. So oh, I like that. Um, wow. Yeah, the practicum would be junior year. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our hope um, because wow. I totally agree with you and we've been having the same conversation among um, our own voice area like they need this basic information 
earlier yes. in the why are they taking ped as a senior like they're when done they've already done all studying these lessons here and yeah and yeah. now they're getting oh this is how a vowel works acoustically and this is how respiration works i mean that should happen sooner yeah <laughs> so. and, and i'm even thinking of things like your teacher has assigned you an art song mm-hmm. what do you do now Right. Because right. like when, when, when I was going through like my even high school voice training, my teacher and I went over that stuff. Yeah. Before I even got to college. I knew I had to write in my translation. I knew I had right. to write in my IPA. Sure. We right. did it, folks. We did it with Cassell's French to English dictionary. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, exactly. Let's just, uh, <laughs> Nico Castell had not published his books. Uh, let's just be... You weren't going to just Google it? Crystal... (laughs) (laughs) No, we had Tetris on the yellow screen of of the Commodore 64, right? That's... We sure did. (laughs) That's where we were. Cubert was a game on on that old Commodore 64. Oh, uh uh-huh. Anyway. We used to play a race for the most amazing thing. Oh, my. Which was the most annoying game that never ended. (laughs) I don't even... Well, no, you, you don't want to know. <laughs> anyway, like I said, Amazing. I really hope you develop this into an article because I, I think it's a lovely idea. I, I really I think it's a great concept. So now you've actually tried this with your students once or twice now? Yes, now I've done it for two semesters. I did it for that German, which was a group of juniors and seniors who post-ped, right, or mm-hmm. in-ped at the same time. So there I had things like we would do vowel ID with the power spectrum and we sure. would, I would do sort the vowels from most open to most closed and what do you notice about, you know, the first and second formant and we could do more advanced stuff and then um, with the earlier classes, we would do things like timing consonants before the beat by putting on a metronome. Yeah. Um, things that diction students miss at the beginning, like durational stress. That is just a tough concept for, they're mm-hmm. so focused on how do I make a sound that the the <laughs> lengthening of vowels in Italian and German just goes, you know? And um, mm-hmm. so we would, you know, put on a metronome and have them speak or sing on a single pitch a vowel of pairs that had non-lengthened vowel versus lengthened vowel and then play it back and go, okay, what was the difference in how much of my quarter note I used on the vowel versus the next consonant? And I, again, I just think seeing those concepts that are a little tougher to get into your students' mm, intellectual framework Absolutely. at the beginning is, is really, it, it really makes a difference. I'm still trying to figure out how much I need to do in class versus giving them homework assignments. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause there's still a portion of students that are just not as comfortable with the technology. And I don't think sure. I've quite gotten the right balance on that yet. Cause I'm not getting everybody feeling comfortable. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But, but no, overall so far they're liking it. And why didn't I think about doing this before? I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. sure. Like, I, it was certainly a new like idea and concept for me when when I saw your poster this summer, and that's why I was like, oh, I'd never, I'd certainly never considered using it in this way. Because I do think we get kind of pigeonholed thinking like, yeah, Voce Vista, acoustics, ah, pedagogy. Yeah, pedagogy, right? This it is, demonstrates this pedagogy concepts. And sometimes you use it in the studio, right? Yeah, like really... but utilizing it in some other kind of innovative ways, I like well, it. Well, and really, you've already hit on this and described it, but... Vocal fam, the single most it for me, this is Perna talking, 
for me, the single greatest utility of a spectrogram in the voice studio is legato. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but I what I what young singers don't understand about legato often is it is not just I'm connecting this vowel of the syllable to the next vowel of the syllable, mm-hmm. but it is connecting a consistently vibrant and resonant sound yes. throughout those syllables. Yes. That is actually legato. Yes. It's not just this vowel connects to this vowel. Right. That is a part of it, mm-hmm. but you actually will not sound legato unless you also have a consistent resonance across that line yep. in your overall tonal quality. Yep. Even on the voiced consonants. Right, which get completely neglected when they're thinking central vowel to central vowel, right? And all of that is actually visible on a spectrum. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and so you know, that's 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 a really you know great way to to as you said uh, scaffold um, Mm -hmm. hashtag academic buzzword. I know Um, that was very jargony. If you if you if you scaffold that though early on. Yeah. When you're when you're coming to it later and you're really working on your quando menvo with your soprano, like it, uh-huh. it's not as confusing. Sure. Like I mean, particularly if they really want to either diphthong it up still, or their mm-hmm. resonance goes out of line, or their yep. consonants are trash, or mm-hmm. you know, or they're accidentally doubling consonants, that don't <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they're traveling on the consonant, oh, they're saying v. Or they're not oh, doubling right. consonants that should be doubled. Right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have to. I don't know if I, have I ever told the Bati Bati story on the podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've heard it. I've heard it. Y'all, vocal fam. <laughs> my worst Nats judging experience ever was I was judging junior, at that point women, junior treble category, college juniors. It was such a long day and the there were two rooms of them at the region and we were they they bought us dinner because we were stuck in that room for so long. I heard five Bati Batis in one day with not one double T. Wow. Yeah. It drove me absolutely insane. I'm sure it did. I actually have a mental image that I'm sure is pretty accurate. Um, by the fifth one, I was like, ah! <laughs> right? Anyway, that, that, that tracks. Was, that was that yeah, was that my tracks. that was my worst Nats judging day in my career. Anyway. Yeah, it happens. It know? does. Every once in a while, you'll just have something weird, and boy, everybody was assigning Bati Bati. Mm-hmm. With the aspirate o- T o- and, and a single one. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, so many vowels in that uh, one. <laughs> Dana, so um, as we transition here, so um, as you know, Vogel Fry has our wonderful, lovely nerd lens of everything else that we look yeah. at, look at everything yes. through. What else brings you joy in your life outside of singing and, and Let, singing teaching? Uh, okay, well, listen, I love getting outside uh, with my kids and getting them as dirty and covered in mud as humanly possible um, <laughs> in all weather. I so love it. that you know, if I had, if I have any free time, I try to just go like find a park and go on the trails. And my kids have waders, even though I do not know how to fly fish. Um, and we just, just throw them in the river and um, keep them outside for as long as I can. Yes. And my kids' toys are like a sink that my husband took out of the kitchen and made into a sensory table and like a giant bag of rice, you know? Oh, that's I'm like, okay. Cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm a big fan of just like making enormous messes or like shaving cream. Like here's like 10 bottles of shaving cream and your old sink that's now Man, turned into a play kid table. kid me would have loved that. Like, yeah. I mean, adult me might love that to be completely frank. I was just frank. going to say. To be completely frank. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's we, we had the house that we got in Indy um, was like a major fixer upper. I mean, I'm telling you, it smelled like urine from the outside of the door. Oh, no. We were like, why oh, no. is this still on the market? It seems kind of okay. And the real realtor was like, Just um, wait. okay. But it's cute now. I mean, it smells much oh, better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the back had this weird patch of, of land that I think had a hot tub on it. And oh. so it doesn't grow yeah. grass. Sure. And so, and my husband was cutting down trees because he knows how to do those things. And um, he'd rented a boom, and he was doing the tree work to try oh, to wow, save right. us money. I know, right? right. Okay. That's impressive. It is. And um, and the truck beeped, which was the kid's favorite part. A little bit um, favorite. And yeah. so we just, I asked him to cut up a bunch of logs, surround the area where nothing will grow, and make it into a mud, like a digging pit. Oh. And I tell you, that gets played with more than any it toy. Sounds like I bet it does. Dream, Sarah. It is. There is a picture that periodically pops up on Facebook of me from when I was a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the neighbor who was like the parent of the kids that I'm in the picture with really likes it. So she'll share it every year or so. And it's us. They had cut down a tree yep. and gra uh, grass had not really grown under said tree because big tree. And yep. so it was a bunch of dirt. And then there was a big rain before they got anything down on it. And it got so muddy. And they told us, they were like, don't, do not go play in the giant mud pit. Cause they knew what oh, was going to happen. But then one of us, accidentally like <laughs> our ball went into it so that we had to go get it and then oh no they fell down in the mud pit so someone had to go help them so needless <laughs> to say we all ended up in the giant mud pit yes. covered in mud and like we had the best we were throwing mud and they yep. gave up after that happened so we're like throwing mud at each other we're yep. coated in it and there's a photo of me standing in a mud pit coated yep in so Sarah, I, I am here for this. This yeah. is where you and I diverge. Yeah, I know you probably because I that. have very serious sensory issues and uh. I do not touch things. Mm. Like I don't touch mud. I get it. I don't touch. I don't touch things I unless I've got life. gloves and shoes on. Mm. Certain things will bother me that way. Like they're weird quirk i hate the feeling like of a really dry towel like two sides of that towel being rubbed together it makes me want to mm. die it makes me mm. want to fall apart but mud is not one of those things i don't mind the feeling of mud i just Loved don't it. like messes at all. yeah i know you don't like dirtiness no not, mm. not a bit. I, you know it's weird because i don't like messes in the house i'm the yeah. one that's constantly picking things up but when it comes to playtime if we're outside yeah yeah yeah, yeah then yeah. I, I want that. them to get messy because yeah, you're I like, feel like this that's... is the appropriate place and time for this mess. <laughs> no, Thank I you. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. Get that. Organized chaos. Yeah. So that, that, and like, uh, did you all ever? Okay, I'm totally doing the 180. But did you all ever talk about what we do in the shadows? Because I thought you were going to ask me about a TV show. Please. Oh, I mean, no. Uh, have you ever watched that? Have, I have. Have you watched it? So no. if I, I had to pick a favorite like nerdy TV show, I think you should go check it out because it's a mockumentary about vampires that oh. are kind yes. of bad at it's what they, have so you seen good. it, Liz? Yes. Where yeah. they're like, they're supposed to conquer the world, but they only conquered their street and part of Ashley Street. <laughs> um, and they're, and they're in Staten Island. And at some point they do a house flipping show and 
Like, it's That's just... fantastic. What we do in the shadows. Who made that? Yeah. Show? Who made that? I don't know. I'm so bad. Like, I my husband say... would know because he knows all the... I want to say know? it's Taika Waititi. Yeah, that's what I was just going to uh-huh. say. Is it Taika? I think so. Yeah. Then I, I feel think like... that's right. We maybe need to watch. I that know. Yeah. It's I so think good. that needs to th- a weave in on on okay. the local front yeah. because we'll, uh, that comes we'll... after Ted Lasso. Yes, we got to finish Ted Lasso. Catch up yeah. on Ted Lasso, so we're ready for season three yeah. here in yeah. a second. Yeah. Yeah. I got to finish Severance. That show is weird, y'all. Oh I, I don't know. My I know he's, a, he's into that right <laughs> no, now. I, I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm like halfway best. in and I just can't even. <laughs> the best. That is, that is man, that is my aesthetic to the thousandth degree. That is, yeah. oh man. I'm sure know. I would, I just haven't watched it yet. I need you to, would think yeah. it's weird. That's okay. You would watch it. I would watch it. As I say, me thinking something's weird and me watching it are not two like mutually exclusive I know, they're not things. exclusive. Like, you yeah, can yeah, still yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so Vocal yeah. Fam, um, what a great day with Dana. Um, we're going to have to move on because I have Liz's class. Yeah. I'm so sorry that we were so fiddling around with audio stuff at the top of the hour. Oh, good. Yes, all friends. Good. Dana has been very patient great with us. Great to be with you all. Dana has been Pooled very with patient with us. No, I'm not. It's Friday. I'm happy. It um, is Friday. Hey, can I say that I have an anthology out before I go? Please. <laughs> yes. I totally yes. forgot to mention yes. it. So I have an anthology of duets by women composers. This is not PED related, but no, please, for anybody please. that's like interested in rep diversity, it's called Joy is Abiding, and it is uh, all duets by women composers. So, And it has the premiere and the only published uh, scores of three duets that are gorgeous by Rebecca Clark, and that's where the text comes from. So. Awesome. Please add it to your school's library. And where can people get that? Yes. Um, Glenn Dower Jones published it. Ah, fabulous. Absolutely. ClassicalVocalRep.com. And uh, make sure you check that out, VocalFam. And where can people find out more about you? Uh, they need to reach you or ask you a question about anything. Yeah, of this? the Butler, you know, dzenobi at butler.edu is my email. Great. Anybody can email me anytime. Great. I have a website. I'm not super into updating it, but it I exists. I get that. I'm like, I'm like selfie averse. I don't know. It's we just not. no. I, I feel it. I literally <laughs> it hit me yesterday. I was like, I should probably like. I think I made a little Facebook page at one point for myself. Yeah. And I think I need to just delete it because at this point it's more embarrassing that it just doesn't have anything on it also, at all. I mean, yeah. Facebook. Well, I'm I have an Instagram page that. too that, sorry, if anyone's followed me at, I think it's vocal fry pie, I get like, I don't, I don't ever get, I never swap over from like my original person. I like, I need to just delete the one and just rename the one I actually use because <laughs> I just don't, I, I don't do social media much as it is, so I should yeah. probably just keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, and there you have a vocal there you, Yes. There you have it. Yeah. Uh, okay, awesome. Dana, thank you so much for yes. making some time Oh, for thank us. you for inviting me on. It was really fun talking with you all. And uh, vocal fam, um, Sarah and I, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to drop this, so we'll be back with you soon, yes. I promise. Schedules be wonky right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to figure it out. Um, but, this uh, is not a time-sensitive topic. But, but <laughs> we, will, we, will, we will be here. All right, Dana, thank you. So Sarah, what did you have for breakfast? I was going to say, oh, I mixed it up a little bit this week, just the teeniest bit. Instead of Greek yogurt, it was Icelandic yogurt. Woo! Mm. And granola, because Costco had it, and I love Costco, right guys. It sounds very fancy. It wasn't. Um, It wasn't. It really, it really, it sounds fancier than than it is. I honestly don't know the difference. Uh, You know, it's not as tangy as the Greek yogurt. I think that'd be the biggest difference. All right. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It was good. All right, vocal fam. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Dana. Thank Thank you. Peace.